All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. Mitch Michaels hosting the sports podcast in the January NFL Divisional Round is on deck. Here to recap NFL Super Wildcard Weekend and drown a little bit of my sorrows. To do that is my uh, buddy Joe Crisali joining in, calling from the great state of Washington. Joe, thanks for joining the show. And uh, sad there's only a limited amount of football left, but here we are. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's been exciting. Other than the complete blowout factor of it, which is exciting in its own right because it's very surprising, especially your your brownies. But no more surprising than the Cowboys just getting obliterated at home. Yeah, I felt like um, you know last year during March Madness, and it happens a lot with with other sports. But I bring up March Madness. I remember Arizona lost to uh, I think Princeton. And then the next day, Purdue lost, and all the Arizona fans I knew were like, this is awesome, no one's going to talk about us anymore. That's how I felt <laughs> when the Packers were destroying the Cowboys. And then I guess you could even say Bucks eagles a little bit to talk about what's wrong in Philly. But the Cowboys lost, I was like, great, no one cares that the Browns got obliterated in Flacco through two pick sixes. So that was at least a pick-me-up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most surprising was that the Bills didn't really technically blow out the Steelers. They kind of kept out of game for a little bit. Um, but yeah, that, that Buccaneers Eagles game, I was talking with my buddy about before, beforehand and the Eagles, like we talked about before, were complete fraud going into it. And I had them written off as a one round exit, wow, really? round exit like the whole, whole time. So I was all in on the Bucks for that game. So, yeah, I guess we can start with that one going reverse order because I, I, it's crazy, right? Their over/under win total was eleven and a half. They were ten and one, and they didn't hit it. So they went one and five down the stretch. They were dead men walking, and you never know what's going in a locker room unless you're there, Joe. But they looked like a team that quit, that was completely discombobulated, couldn't tackle, couldn't get a stop. The line was terrible, and Hurts too is another discussion. Did he regress? Did he, was he injured? Did he just not have support around him? Obviously, no AJ Brown hurts, but. I think the part that's, you know, and we can get into it too, but, like, the Bucks aren't exactly this juggernaut. It's, like, good for Baker Mayfield and what they were able to do yeah. and how they looked on Monday, but they were a 9-8 and football team that doesn't make the playoffs probably if they're in another division. So for the Eagles to go out the way they did, I know it was on the road, but to who they lost to, that was just a complete disaster, and it might actually cost Sirianni his job. Yeah, it looked like in that entire game, nobody was, uh, like, agreeing with Sirianni kind of was like by himself over there on the sideline. He didn't seem as fiery as he usually did. Cause you know, his cocky Italian self, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Hurts sitting on the bench, Goddard yelling at him. Didn't really look like he was having good chemistry with his team out there. AJ Brown, not out there. Um, the looming Jason Kelsey retirement. Uh, yeah. Outside of Devonte Smith, they really didn't have much going. They had that one drive when they had that touchdown to Goddard where it looked like, okay, maybe they, could possibly make this a game and then the Buccaneers get the ball and they just go right down the field and have those long touchdowns Trey Palmer and um Johnson out of nowhere or more sorry um yeah and the the Bucks were getting it done from every angle um Mayfield 337 three tuds like that's you're not expecting that from him, but that just goes to show how bad the Eagles defense has been all year, and especially that pass defense. They couldn't cover anybody. They couldn't tackle anybody. When when David Moore is blowing past you for a yeah. uh, a 50 yard touchdown, 44 yard touchdown, you're you're you got some problems. 
Yeah, it, <laughs> so many different ways to look at it. The Sirianni thing is funny because we we both kind of mentioned it, right? It, it's great when he's his normal self when you're winning, but when you lose, mm-hmm. Philadelphia just can turn on you faster than anyone, and that's what we started to see. That clip of him talking trash to Chiefs fans, and then it all went sideways since. But, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing with that game, I mean, props to Baker for turning it around and playing well. But they did all that without Mike Evans just being the, you know, the the bell cow. Like, that's – I don't know what the Eagles do from here because their, their roster is still so talented. That's the, the crazy thing, right? If you were going to – if you were going to tell me top five talented roster, I would agree. But to put out that performance was just embarrassing. Yeah, it's just – needs to be fixed on defense really um i mean the offense didn't look great in that game but they were headed for disaster regardless the defense running into each other on deep balls and not being able to tackle anybody and literally you're you're watching a game and you're like okay this is what it's like to play madden on rookie level when you know you're going against the defense they just were pathetic all all year long out there um and to get abused by the Buccaneers, like you said, who haven't really necessarily been a juggernaut, um, but they they had a well balanced, well balanced offense in that in that entire game. Um, Mayfield went off for shot fight did his thing. Uh, Would have liked to see him get in the end zone. They really didn't even need Mike Evans. He dropped no. that touchdown ball in that first quarter, and they kind of were like, "All right, well, let's see what else we can do here." Um, they didn't even also didn't even need to throw to Rashad White out of the backfield. I think he averaged like four catches or so. Uh, throughout the season every game and he only had one a um, couple of drops but uh, Buccaneers going into Detroit that's, that's, that's going to be way more fun game than I think people are giving it credit for can you believe that's the game it's Detroit Tampa and, and props to Detroit right they win their first playoff game in you know 30 plus years <laughs> so it's like it's been the longest drought which now, by the way, I don't know if you realize that you know who the team right now is with the longest droughts that now Detroit won since winning a playoff game. Is it? Is it my boys? Your boys? No. My Denver Broncos. No, no, no. Of course not. There's a team that's there's a team that's wasted that's lasted a lot longer, and they were in this playoffs. That would be the Miami Dolphins. Oh wow! Isn't that crazy? They haven't won a playoff game in longer. I don't know the exact year. I know the Browns, uh, and you know the you know the Browns were on that list for a while, and the Lions had won a road game recently. But yeah, it's crazy that they win this playoff game and that they're, you know, doing all this stuff. And look, that environment was awesome. Dan Campbell, you know, rejuvenated the franchise. And I said all week going into this game that this wasn't the Matt Stafford revenge game. It was the Jared Goff revenge game. Stafford already got his revenge by winning a Super Bowl. Like. Goff came out, those first three drives looked like the, he was the best quarterback in the league. I know it tapered off a little bit, but they punched him in the mouth, they held on, and that last play was just classic Goff, and it was classic Dan Campbell. We're going to throw four to ice this game, and you know, they were an aggressive team all year, and they did just enough to, you know, and I, I do think the crowd, having not seen a playoff game, had the best atmosphere all week, and that helped. But yeah, the Lions, man, and they're favored again to go to the NFC title game. Yeah, and I would be very shocked if the Bucks were to take them down. But that that Rams Lions game was was crazy. I I was I was pretty firm thinking that the Rams were going to take that. Same. Um, and there were a couple plays, a couple flags that weren't thrown, and it wasn't even just in that game. I feel like the officiating in every game in the Wild Card Weekend was, you know, they missed a couple here and there. But yeah, um, especially that Nakua third down. Uh, 
down in the, near the red zone. But um, yeah, the Lions, the Lions, man, it, it's been a great week, a great last couple of weeks for Michigan, right? Oh God, <laughs> yeah. It's been a great couple weeks for Michigan. It's been a bad couple weeks for me watching football games played in NRG Stadium <laughs> in Houston. Didn't, uh, didn't Michigan just play Ohio State in college basketball too and beat them? I'm pretty yeah, sure that was the other great. day. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> great week for Michigan in, in all regards there. Uh, but, I mean, the Lions are a great story. Like you said, Campbell flips it around. They get an identity. They become this uh, tough team where – you know, they also have a high-flying offense, and their defense isn't incredible, but they make the plays when they need to make the plays, and they're they're just tough. Um, and they have golf, like you said. This is his revenge tour. This is how he puts his stamp on it. So that doesn't make me nervous for them in this Buccaneers game, but, you know, if they go up against the Niners, you think they got a shot? <laughs> that would be tough just because the game's in San Fran, and I still think the Lions' defense... Like, their offense can score with just about anybody in the league. They've proven it. They've got balances with, you know, Gibbs at the running back position now, and Montgomery, uh, St. Brown, you know, Laporta was back and looked good. That was the key for me, right? That was the main reason why I wasn't sure that they would win because I wasn't sure Laporta would be back if he can give them something that's huge. But defensively, although, I, I mean, I, it's kind of a it's kind of a dark joke, but it's like, yeah, if they just keep taking out every tight end, maybe they'll have a chance. Oh man, that was brutal. That was and that corner, yeah, it's the that same guy. Said he's not trying to ruin anybody's career, but you saw Stafford chirping at him. You're, yeah. you may not be trying to ruin anybody's career, but you are by not tackling I, him in the proper. Yeah, so Joseph's the DB's name, and I don't, and I it's I'll 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 look at it optimistically. I don't think he's trying anything dirty. I understand the rules, right? Like you can't hit high anymore. It's tough, but. The reason why I think this might be a discussion for, you know, the refs have to enforce the, the rules as they are, but this might be a discussion for the league after the offseason because there was nothing Higby can do to protect himself. Like, if that's the if the onus is also on the offensive player to protect themselves, he caught the ball turned and the guy took out his ACL. Like, how could you protect yourself there? It was disgusting, man. It was disgusting. And didn't it happen? Didn't it happen in the... One of the other games too. Someone went at at the knee, tight end knee. Mm. I know. Um, I'm thinking. I'm not I'm pretty sure. sure. He did that. That safety hit the hit Hawkinson last week and or the week of right, the regular right, right. season. So same, yeah, same guy, Jose. Yeah. Same so, guy. but anyway, I mean, Detroit. Props to them, man. They get another home game. It's going to be raucous. Uh, the last NFC game was that first one on Sunday, and man. That was uh, that was classic Cowboys. I mean, I want to also start though by giving props to Jordan Love and the Packers and Matt Lafleur because they had the youngest team in the NFL. They lost Rodgers last year. They had all these new pieces. They traded away traded away Russell Douglas during the year, and Love turned into a top like five quarterback throughout the last couple weeks. Lafleur's game plan was perfect too because for as great Joe as Love was, there were guys wide open all day. Wide open, like. No one within twenty, thirty yards of him. Like yeah. it was, it was insane how how much he outcoached McCarthy. It and it wasn't even just that. Like Aaron Jones, four straight game over a hundred yards. He had three touchdowns. Dobbs running free. But Jordan Love, man, they that just goes to show like how important coaching is. Like they drafted Love, and he was a, a player in the Mountain West that couldn't even. And really complete a ball 
couldn't even, you know, do what he needed to do to be a winning quarterback in college. And I met him. I interviewed him when I, when we uh, covered the Mountain West. And I, he was the same size as me. And I was like, <laughs> this guy, what's he going to do in, in, the, in a NFL career if he gets drafted? And then he goes in the first round, and I'm like, oh, what are they doing? <laughs> but the floor, you know, this is how good of a coach he is. He's turned Love into a franchise quarterback, into a guy that clearly can get it done when he needs to get it done. And it wasn't, it didn't feel at any moment like the, like it was going to flip. Like he, he completed every ball. He wasn't throwing, I was going to complete every ball, but he wasn't throwing any picks and uh, he was making smart decisions. And there was a third down where the Cowboys seemed like, I think it was in the third quarter, where the Cowboys seemed like, they were not going to have a possibility to get the ball back, I think, down two or three scores and um, maybe do something. And Love got flushed out of the pocket, and he stayed calm, and he spun, and he came back and completed all the jobs for first down. And it just kind of was like, all right, well, this game's it is what it is at this point. And it was just shocking, man. Like, everyone had Cowboys going into that game for the most part. And for them to come out and just, not play a lick of defense, which is what they were touted for all season long, like especially yeah. the beginning of the year when it was like, okay, this Cowboys defense is legit, when they absolutely abused the Giants on that Sunday night game. Um, and for them to just come out and throw a dud like that, you got to wonder if uh, Big Jerry's going to make some wholesale changes on this team. Yeah, the, yeah, well, the first thing with that is your point's exactly right, and we can get into Dak and the offense. And McCarthy is an offensive guy, but it was on the defense for me. It's kind of also how I felt about my Browns game, which we're going to touch on later. But the defense <laughs> getting obliterated, like, yeah, Dak threw the pick six and was off. But the way the Packers were going, and you know how this works, right? When you get up by a couple scores, you got to you know tone it down a little bit. But they were scoring at will with guys wide open when they needed to. It was just... Stunning to see a Dan Quinn defense get gashed. And that's on McCarthy not preparing the team to be ready. And, you know, you can't take anybody for granted in the NFL, which it seems like they did. Uh, and then offensively, obviously, Dak was off, and it was just not a great day, not a great day regardless. And I'm with you, man. I think this is going to be a wholesale change. I, don't, I won't go as far as a new quarterback because how do you replace Dak without a plan B ready? But I would think a new coach at the very least. When your coach gets out-coached like that in a playoff game at home in a heavily favored matchup against a quarterback making his first appearance in the playoffs, and that's what happens, yeah, McCarthy's got to go. And it's not even the first time that something like that's happened. He's had, what, three three playoffs with them, three, four playoffs, and all blunders. So, you know, he's he's just not that guy. No, he's not, and uh, and it's going to be a tough one to see. I know Jerry Jones wasn't happy. They were putting the camera on him quite a bit, but the Packers move on. Uh, they play the Niners. Uh, more here on the Money Mitch Effect with Joe Crisali talking NFL Wild Card Weekend. All right, I'll get I'll, I'll rip the Band-Aid off, Joe. Browns, Texans did not go well after that first quarter, and uh, I know Flacco, some would say, turned back into a pumpkin with those two pick sixes, but <laughs> I want to start again with the defense. That was the big letdown, this Browns vaunted defense. That was much better at home, but they got abused in the secondary. C.J. Stroud was amazing. He was making every throw with unbelievable touch. 
But they did whatever they wanted, and that was, you know, the difference in the game. The Texans just kept marching the ball down the field and scoring at will, and they're moving on. They beat you. They beat you with the tight ends when they're throwing a screen pass to the backup tight end, and he's running for a seventy-six yard touchdown. That's that's pretty rough. There was for a moment there, though. You know, it looked like it was going to be a kind of a back and forth game until Flacco threw those two pick sixes. Um, that that pretty much sealed it. But those those two touchdowns to Brevin Jordan and um, Schultz, the tight ends for Houston, that that kind of you know put them up ten going into the half, and that made it hard for your Brownies to kind of flip it around. And I also didn't realize that Flacco had what like eight interceptions in his four games, nine interceptions or something like that. And the Browns had turned it over more than any other team in that span. Um, and that's just a recipe for disaster going into the playoffs and the defense, similar to what we were saying about with the Cowboys defense dominant pretty much all year long. And then they come into the playoffs and they almost forget how to play. It's really uh, startling to see, you know, in a playoff game when, you know, you just completely lose momentum and a team's marching right down the field. Um, I, I look, I think most Browns fans, Joe, like myself, after the the uh, pain, wait, you know, after the sting of a loss like that wades off, they realize that they weren't going to win the Super Bowl this year. Not just the quarterback position with Flacco coming in literally off the couch, but no Nick Chubb and then the line, the offensive line especially. There was a moment when Joel Batonio went down, and I'm like, we have one healthy lineman from – the starting starting week one of the year. So the injuries did yeah. catch up to them, and, and, you know, they ran into a team that's <laughs> – I mean, look, the Texans are probably going to be good for a long time, I would think, given that they nailed the quarterback. And Will Anderson from Alabama was a great, you know, defensive player as well. Yeah. Houston Houston was very surprising this year. You don't really expect a rookie quarterback to perform the way that Stroud has, but they look – extremely good i know they're like nine and a half point dogs against baltimore but i think that game is going to be a lot better than uh the odds are giving giving yeah. credit for they played week one and 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 it was relatively close both teams hadn't hit their stride but i just remember thinking like wow this is kind of closer than it should be because we thought houston would be bad so yeah i'm with you there i just can't imagine being a panthers fan and watching cj stroud do this when you have bryce young i mean wow dude that is just that's a tough one. Talk about a guy that's like, you said Jordan Love's like your size. Like, Love's way smaller than that. I, I know. I know. It's crazy. It's, but your uh, Browns, man, it's got, it's got to be hard to lose to a team that you traded all that for. And the guy that you traded it for was standing on the sidelines yeah, watching it. That's the part that's like dampering optimism for next year because I look at it like, look, we were so banged up. We still got here. The core is really good. But it's like, yeah, we have a injured quarterback that's taking up all the salary cap and all this stuff so yeah it's uh that's a tough one it's a but different team. it makes it a different team even yeah. with those guys back it's a different team but Stefanski is an incredible coach yeah. and if he doesn't win coach of the year based off of making it as far as he did with the lineup that he had and all the backups that he had to play with for pretty much the entire season that'd be crazy Coach of the year is going to be tough. There's going to be a lot of uh, interesting, you know, people in the mix. Like Nico, that was the matchup right there. Yeah, even though they didn't make the playoffs, I thought uh, Steichen too did a good job in Indy with what they did losing the quarterback. But yeah, yeah. those are some good coaches. Uh, and it was the first time in the modern, in the you know, since they kind of expanded this, obviously to 17 games and beyond, that they had all four teams in the division, you know, with a winning record. The AFC North proven they were the best division. So 
you know, I'm just grasping at straws. The, the Bengals missed the playoffs yeah. without Joe Burrow, but the Steelers got in. I know they lost to the Bills, but and again, like you were yeah. saying, to start, they fought in that game. Like it was another great job by Tomlin to get him ready. Mason Rudolph at quarterback going into Buffalo, game delayed a day, a day, and they're still kind of in it in the fourth quarter. Is that is that Mike Tomlin's like uh, calling? Just making the playoffs, like not trying to win anything. If you give this guy an actual quarterback, I think these teams that he has will be a lot better. Maybe, like, yeah. Guy, like, but are they? Guys, like, is that his ceiling though? Is like he the guy? Because he hasn't had a losing record. I know they won the Super Bowl, but you know they haven't exactly. When's the last time they won a playoff game? Be my question. Uh, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I feel. Like and I'm pretty sure they they haven't won one in uh, a minute. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, like you said, that game turned out to be closer than it it could have been, or everyone had kind of anticipated it to be. But that's what makes me more excited for this Bills Chiefs matchup we got because the Bills aren't necessarily the team that have been able to put the foot on the throat and keep it there. They turn the ball over, they make mistakes, they don't convert on opportunities when they need to, but they kind of still come out on top of these games. And they, they prove that towards the end of the season. With I think they won, like, what, five, six games in a row? Um, but they didn't win by large margins. They only beat the Chargers by two. They beat New England by six, Miami by a touchdown. Like, And when they went into Arrowhead and beat Kansas City, that was a that was a real close game. They won by a field goal. Um but Josh Allen, man, he he's definitely had it turned on these last these last few weeks. Yeah. And there's something said about so he ran for that 52 yard touchdown, and there everyone's all over these defensive players for hitting quarterbacks while they're down or you know making bad tackles or whatever. If Josh Allen is going to fake slide <laughs> and slide, they all have to stand up and let him run past him. Yeah. There's got to be some rule against that yeah. because. As a defensive player, you see a quarterback going down. You don't want to get that 15-yard penalty, so you're immediately going to not do that. It's not like a juke. It's not like he's going you know, side to side or deking players. He's literally faking a, a, a play where I, a defensive player can't do anything. Yeah, I don't... It was. I don't like it either, but I wouldn't put it in the same category like as that Kenny Pickett fake slide in college that we completely got rid of. You know, um, yeah. I do think that this should be something that be looked at and that they we you know figure out because he like came to a stop and he thought he was going to go down and then he kept going. But um, yeah, the Josh Allen thing is the story of this whole whole season. It's the Bills. They they are Josh Allen when he's on. They could beat anybody, but he's been prone like the first half of that Dolphins game recently to just throw a bunch of picks. I also think defensively the Bills have fought hard, but they keep losing bodies, and I wonder if that will eventually add up. The fact that it's going to be, you know, Kansas City won that you know that bloodbath at home in the cold weather, but I don't think a lot of people were doubting that they would beat the Dolphins at home in negative degree weather. They rode the defense, and they made sure that they were able to get enough plays on offense. But I, I still don't know. The, the game is the one I want to watch the most this week because I don't know what the Chiefs are in 2023. This is their first playoff game on the road for Mahomes, and it's also a test and a step up in competition that, let's be honest, Joe, I mean, we have very little confidence in their receivers. I know Rice played well, but someone's going to have to step up and make a play on the road, and I don't know. I don't know who that's going to be. Yeah, that definitely remains to be seen. Kelsey dropped some easy ones yeah. in that 
that game. They need him to not do that. But like you said, yeah, Rice has been he's been incredible. Pacheco has been amazing. If they get the fire out of him, you saw Clyde Edward Solaire. He he was yeah. running with that same at the beginning, just, just like Pacheco. He's he's learning from him. Your um, defense is a lot but, better too. Like that's that's yeah. she noted. The defense is is the difference I think for me between Kansas City and Buffalo because Kansas City will make good on those um, stops and good on those turnovers from the Bills. I know the Bills are favored by three, but I, I you like the Chiefs I, here, I huh? I feel pretty good about the Chiefs in this game. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a dilemma because of my my survivor pool. I picked the Chiefs the first week. Obviously, I'm going to probably stay away from this game. But um, would you would you go with somebody like the Bills here? How, how confident are you that the Bills could pull this out? I would go low confidence because I do think this is you know as exciting as a game this weekend, but I am going to pick the Bills to win. Um, I think that the Chiefs, especially from the offensive side of the ball, we always talk about, well, they can just, you know, championship teams can just flip the switch on, and a lot of times they just never, they never do, and I think the Chiefs kind of do need a little bit of a reloading with some personnel offensively. And I think this game being in Buffalo, it's, it speaks more to, Mahomes on the road, like it's a nice storyline. He's a great quarterback. He'll play great wherever. You know, I don't think it's about that. I think it was just important that Buffalo had this game in Buffalo instead of having to go to Arrowhead again, where it's been a house of horrors, thirteen seconds, all that stuff. So, I'm gonna yeah. pick. The, I'm gonna pick the Bills in a relatively lower scoring game. I think they have just a little bit more firepower. And hey, if anything, look, this is you know a rivalry for the ages with uh, Bills Mafia and Swifties. So there's that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's been exciting the last few years watching Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes, and this is just going to be another tale in the in that book that they're writing together. But as far as like defenses go, you know, we've been disappointed by pretty much every defense, other than like a couple pick sixes, which are exciting. But defenses that were supposed to come in and be good were just kind of non-existent. So you can kind of imagine. Uh, the offenses in this game making the defenses moot, especially, like you said, the Bills are going to be missing some guys. And the Chiefs are not not vulnerable to giving up big plays, but um, they're both top five in points allowed per game as far as, you know, the Chiefs yeah. are you know, second. But it's going to be exciting. Would you say that, you know, the other game, Ravens, you know, Texans, I know we're both – picking the Ravens to win, but nine and a half points is a lot. Do you think Texans would cover that? It's, I think they can. It's just extremely tough because thinking about how many blowouts we had in the first week, is it, could it be something like that? Like we saw the rate, we saw the Texans play extremely well in the wild card. Ravens have had all this time off. Who's to say they don't just come out and drop 50 on the Texans, you know? But it could be Russ, though. That's that Russ versus Russ debate. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't – I think they're going to cover, and I always put it in a scenario like this. It's like that Steelers game. I know they didn't cover it, but, you know, the Bills were looking great early. But all you really need to have a chance in this one is like a 16-point game with two minutes left and the Texans have the ball, you know? Yeah, So like, So, like, I, I think that – their offense is going to be able to put up points. The Ravens' defense is better. But, yeah, the, the Houston defense, if they're not getting pick sixes and turning it over, 
it's going to be tough to stop what Baltimore does offensively because they can just attack you from so many ways. Now it was the Todd Monk in offense. It's Lamar playing within the system but still making big plays, extending plays. Zay Flowers has been like the best addition to a receiving core maybe in the league. So, you know, he just completes what they do. And they're getting – they're probably going to get Mark Andrews back too, not to mention Isaiah Likely has been really good. And also Lamar Jackson is not Joe Flacco. Well, there is that. There definitely is that. Uh, the NFC games, I think. Uh, well, you know, we talked Lions, Bucks. I do like. I do like the Lions. Um, six and a half points is a steepish number for a team that kind of plays a lot of one-score games. But I guess I would lean towards them covering that. And and the other side of it, I actually think the Niners are more likely than the Ravens to cover a big number. I know Jordan Love's look great, but this is. You know, this is maybe the letdown spot where Green Bay has this great moment. They're not supposed to be here, similar to the Texans, but now you got to go into San Fran and, you know, play against that defense. That, that's kind of where I'm – talk about the level up, right, the level of defense from Dallas to San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, Packers D is no slouch either. So, mm-hmm. But Shanahan is going to have some, some stuff prepared for them for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Preparing since the second quarter, as he said. Um, and I, it's funny because they, you know, they have all those Ohio State guys on there with Bosa, and now they traded for Chase Young. Chase Young, who you know didn't live up to standards as the you know high draft pick he was in Washington, but when the Niners traded for him, like they, he's like literally their fourth best D lineman. Like, do you know how much of an insane luxury that is? Yeah, that's crazy. So wow, that would be all right. So if we go, if we, you know, I guess I'm kind of I feel bad because I'm kind of going all chalk and you're not, but. So that would be it. So, man, wow. You think it's going to be the one-seed Super Bowl? Uh, it's really hard to say that it's not going to be, you know. The only way it isn't is if the Ravens lose. or the. I mean, the Lions, though. <laughs> a, Lions, a Lions Super Bowl would just be madness, right? We, we could be. The, the only possibilities, which there actually are a couple. I, I, it might not be 1-1. But that's definitely how it, how it's going. Like you're taking Baltimore over Houston. Let's just for the sake of it say Buffalo beats Kansas City, and we just go all chalk here. Yeah. Buffalo, Baltimore, San Francisco, Detroit. I mean, Buffalo, Detroit would be a hell of exciting. It'd be pretty Super Bowl. fun, man. But any any of those teams, I mean, I don't see that that happening. But Baltimore, San Francisco is the favorite. We could have Baltimore, Detroit, or Detroit, Baltimore, or or Detroit, Buffalo, or uh, San Francisco, Buffalo. I don't know. It all, it all, it's gonna be crazy. <laughs> Can't wait, man. Um, last thing before we uh, we wrap this up, you know, what are your thoughts on all the, you know, what was it the day the legends kind of stepped away or got let go? You had Saban gone, Carol Belichick looking for a new job. I mean, it was kind of crazy. It's like, wow. Every all-time legendary coach still at it is either out of a job or retired. Yeah, but they're going to find themselves back in jobs soon. Yeah, Saban, not, too? Yeah, not, I don't know about Saban. Not, not, not Saban, but, you know, Belichick definitely. He's just interviewed with the Falcons, which I think would be a terrible fit for him. But Do you think they were like, do you think they were like hey, can we see a resume? He's like, yeah, I actually coached the Super Bowl. Maybe you guys heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> He just walks in with a piece of paper that says twenty-eight to three. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys are you familiar with this game? Uh, <laughs> Arthur Blank would not like that. But yeah, I think they're all. I mean, Belichick will be fine. He'll land on his feet. He's gonna you know go after the Don Shula record for wins, and we'll see with Carroll. But yeah, no, 
and Saban being the GOAT. That stat I saw in Saban last week was crazy. From 2008 until this season, so 8 through the 22 season, Bama was ranked number one for at least part of it. Every wow. season. And and all the UW fans are shocked and saddened that DeBoer left yeah. here to go to Alabama. I'm like, it's literally a, a life promotion to go to the best college football school ever. I know. Give the guy a that's how you do a coaching search, by the way, for Bama. You just have a list. There's no nonsense, BS. You go down your list. Okay, it's like Dan Lanning says no. Sark says no. All right, DeBoer says yes. They were really efficient. Just go down your list. Get your guy. Um, all right, Joe Crisali, this was fun on the Money Mitch effect. Last note, though, any any update on your Rangers? We need to know how you're feeling. Oh, I feel real good. <laughs> okay, even with some of the slip-ups? I mean, it hasn't been perfect, but they've kind of righted the ship. It hasn't been perfect. They're still right now the favorite to win the cup, um, which is surprising to me because there is a team that's been playing a lot better than them, and you have referenced them quite a bit in your lifetime. Um, (laughs) I have, and I didn't pick them this year because I just can never get them right. But they also came into Madison Square Garden and beat them, like, what, 5-1? to Yeah, they, they, that was, when I saw that game, I was like, all right, this team is legit. Um, they're a good bet right now for winning the cup. I think they're plus 1,800, which is very surprising compared to, I think the Rangers are like plus 450 around there. Um, so if you're, you're trying to get back on your Canucks train, I think now's a good time. I would say that's a good one. I think the Rangers and Bruins pace in the East is surprising. The Flyers still hanging in has been kind of gnarly, but I still think Colorado, and, and if, if Landeskog does come back, where he, the rumors that he's skating is kind of nuts, McKinnon is pretty much your MVP right now. We'll see what McDavid has to say if he stays healthy. But fun times, man, but your Rangers are definitely right in the thick of it, so props for that. And the, the reason that they are is because, you know, they, they lost Kako for a little bit. They've lost Hedl for pretty much the entire season. Um, the Frenier has kind of stepped up. And I really, really have enjoyed watching uh, Will Cooley, the rookie winger. He's He just has played really well, really solid. They gave him a couple opportunities to play on the top line the last few games. But when Kako came back, they kind of bumped him back down, which was a little surprising because he was playing very well with Kreider um, on that top line. Kreider's a manager on that top line. But, um, you know, Breadman has been playing very well this year. Maybe it's the haircut. Uh I just, they've been an exciting team to watch, and I'm just excited to see, see where they go. Yeah, I saw a stat today. It's like six teams are within two points for the eight seed right now. So it's really just a, a crapshoot in the East, but there's teams at the top. So um, exciting stuff, man. And uh, appreciate you coming on to talk football, a little hockey at the end. Joe Casali, always welcome here on the Money Mitch Effect. It was a blast, man. Yeah, of course. That was Joe Crisali. This was the Money Mitch Effect. We're on all your podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you can find us. Check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page. Follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. We're back next week to talk about the conference championship NFL Sunday coming up and uh, recap a lot of this divisional run action as well. It should be a good one. For Joe Crisali, my name is Mitch Michaels. Thanks for listening to the Money Mitch Effect. Keep enjoying sports.